This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. So is there anybody else who might want to share what they're reading? I finished a book yesterday, but I really hated that, so I don't think I should talk about that. <laughs> You're listening to Bookmarked, a young adult book podcast brought to you by Bookstacked.com. This is episode 36, and in today's episode, we're taking a look back at the decade. We've got that coming up, so stay with us. very weird <laughs> this is for the first time ever we're recording one episode after another which we've yeah we've never done that before i guess we should just kind of give everybody a quick idea of what's happening uh if you listen to our bonus episode our valentine's day special we mentioned that we had a planning session to sort of talk about what we wanted to do with the podcast in 2020 if you remember last year we changed things up a bit with the podcast. So what we did was we had a main discussion and then we left news for the end of the episode. And also, if you were following us last year, you'll notice that like the second half of the year, nothing got published. So <laughs> one of the things we want to be better at, it's mostly me because I'm the one who edits these. But one of the things I want to be better at is making sure that we can produce episodes more consistently. And so one of the purposes of this planning session was basically to plan everything out and to try and record episodes back to back so we can get ahead of ourselves and I can have a lot of time sort of to put episodes together and make sure that there's an episode coming out every month, essentially. With that, we're changing the format of the show in some ways. Basically, I think the biggest way probably is we're going to lean more into the main topic discussion that we did last year but we're going to be axing the news portion of the show, which is kind of a bummer because I feel like that's one of the things that made us really unique from the other podcasts. And news is definitely a huge part of our website that we run, Bookstacked. But at the same time, I think it's going to allow us to be more flexible. It's going to allow us to just put things out more consistently. And one of the things too with that is we're not going to like completely get rid of news from the DNA of the show. Like for example... There's the Hunger Games prequel book coming out. We know that's going to be something <laughs> that we're going to want to talk about. There were a couple eye rolls <laughs> in the webcam <laughs> because there's a there's a lot we can discuss about the Hunger Games prequel. Um, but see, that's definitely something we're going to want to do, and we're going to have an entire episode devoted to doing that. Um, so the news is still going to be part of the show. It's just going to be kind of taking a backseat. And if there's something really big that happens or comes up one month, like we're going to be flexible enough to be able to move episodes around and maybe record an episode quickly to get to discuss something if it's something that we really want to discuss and if it's something that's really big. So just kind of wanted to give all of you a really quick rundown of what we're doing with the show and why we're going this way. So I think everybody here is on board with that. <laughs> How are you guys feeling about this new format? I'm excited. I think it'll be good. Consistency will be fun. 
Yeah, awesome. Well, with that said, why don't we jump into introductions and let everybody know who's here. We have Addie. Hi, guys. Spencer. Hello. Michael. Hi. Mary. Hi. And myself, Saul. For this episode, we are talking Decade in Review, which if you listen to the last episode, I mentioned that might kind of seem late in the year, but I feel like there's a lot that could be discussed here. Um, and we're just kind of going to be looking at where did YA go and how did it evolve over the last 10 years and kind of where do we see it going from this point forward. So yeah, great discussion. Before we do that, let's jump into our regular segment. What are you reading? So uh, Spencer, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, this week I just finished reading this novel called Fallen Angels by Walter Dean Myers. It's an old book, uh, so a bit of an old recommendation, um, but I really liked it. Walter Dean Myers is a really just significant author to YA. It's history um, as an African-American writer and publishing over 100 books for youth. He's got a really impressive Wikipedia page when you see everything that he's written. <laughs> so I finally picked up one of his books, um, one of his old classics, and it's about a young African-American soldier and his experiences serving in Vietnam, which is really interesting to me to read a book that felt very YA, but also like a war story, because those two things don't typically mix, and not the typical thing that I read when it comes to YA. Do you know what, uh, you said he has like a huge backlog. Do you know some of his other titles that he might be well known for? Um, I think his... M- his most popular novel novel, or the novel he's most well-known for is called Monster, about a young man's experience in uh, incarcerated. And I think it's like a courtroom drama type thing. Yeah, I think that's the most well-known thing that he's written. Well, this wasn't planned uh, to do like a Black History Month themed What Are You Reading? <laughs> but I actually just finished reading Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi, which is obviously the sequel to Children of Blood and Bone. Children of Blood and Bone was, of course, a huge book. I do have to say, I didn't love it as much as Children of Blood and Bone, but there were still some really good things about it. Like one of, I guess one of the things you see in Children of Blood and Bone is there's this huge focus on restoring magic to the kingdom. One of the things that I love that Tomi Ediemi did with her sequel was she kind of really delved into the consequence of magic that now that it's been restored. And so that goal that they had to restore it kind of becomes the burden that they have to deal with in the sequel. And so that just kind of opens up a lot of interesting story arcs and stuff. So uh, I definitely recommend it if you enjoyed the first one. I I do, like I said, I didn't love it as much as the first one, but I'm just really impressed with the world and everything that she's able to to bring in. And uh, it's, yeah, and she's a great writer. So it's very well written. All right, well, let's jump into our discussion about the decade, a decade in review. Um, we basically got two main questions that we kind of wanted to discuss. And I'm going to go ahead and pitch those to everyone. The first one is, what's one YA takeaway from the last decade? So maybe what's a trend that you saw or an observation or maybe even just something that surprised you about young adult literature um, in the last 10 years? Uh, I would say that sequels, I feel became a very big thing whether it be in regards to like book series and or movie like YA movie adaptations sequels became a very very big thing and sometimes unnecessary so I I was actually thinking about this earlier and that and it's going to go off what Addie's going to what Addie said 
which was um, like kind of expanding the universe. Like um, Cassandra Clare, you look at all of her Shadowhunters books, and Ransom Riggs has now gone to America with per- Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. So a lot of it has kind of been like expanding the universe or like creating or adding to series that don't necessarily need to be added to. Like, I really didn't care so much for these characters, so I might not want to read this or such. Yeah, that was one thing I kind of, like, had thought about as well, is, like, the fact that nostalgia seems to be, like, a big seller recently. Like, a lot of things that are coming out are just, like, retreads of stuff that's happened before, or, like, authors are just adding on to series that they've already finished because people loved the series originally so we'll just put more in it rather than expanding in a different direction (laughs) 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 yeah she could be one of them (laughs) I I didn't Uh, see it (laughs) (laughs) well we've definitely said that a lot on this show Michael Uh, has no idea what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) who's J.K. Rowling <laughs> I totally agree, though, that it's been nostalgia, I think, has been what's really pushing this and driving it. And it's not just in YA, it's like in everything. We had so many Disney remakes, we had Star Wars, we had sequels to book series, uh, just it, it's in everything, right? And I kind of wonder why that is. I don't really know why. <laughs> um, I think it's even manifests itself in other ways, too. Like you kind of have like, quote unquote, period novels that are set like in the 90s which mm-hmm. I, I guess like a period novel is correct but it's is the correct <laughs> term but it just feels so weird you know given yeah. that it's not, it wasn't that long ago oh uh, I love discovering the fact that I can read historical fiction set <laughs> at the time of my birth that never happened before <laughs> I feel really old now when you say that I feel ancient mm-hmm but that was definitely, like, I think that's another way nostalgia kind of manifested itself, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like, it's a safety net. Like, they know that it's done well in the past and that people love it. So it's the safe way to go, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Saul brought up uh, remakes and reboots, which is something that, like, I'm just like, it is completely, like, not needed, like, at all. I mean, I know there's been, for example, Little Women, I mean, we know that uh, there's been, like, remakes left and right. But there was one that was remade where, you know, instead of it being set in, like, the 19th century, it was set in, like, in the two, like, like the 20-teens. And, like, everything was changed. But, like, you're still supposed to, like, sort of get the gist. But it just felt so off. Like, there's some things you just can't remake in, like, a modern setting. Because it just makes no sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. Some things you can't remake without Timothy Chalamet. Um. <laughs> Can I just say that movie was amazing? Oh, so good. Speaking of book-to-film adaptations, to bring us back to the, to the decade in review, something that from everything that you're saying I find really interesting is I forget that it was just in this past decade that our big YA film franchises like Hunger Games, uh, I think maybe Twilight, I forget exactly when it wrapped. Yeah. I know. Did Harry Potter, was that like 2010? Yeah, so we did just see a big wrap to 
these mega franchises, which we really haven't seen anything repeated on the same level. And it makes me wonder if that's part of the reason for some of the nostalgia and the remakes is there just isn't anything that has come up and taken that spot. Um, and so I think we do like with this Hunger Games prequel, almost look back to those glory days and say, you know, let's get some of that money back in, back flowing into things. Yeah. Well, totally. That's something I know I've mentioned before on the show is I lament the death of the blockbuster <laughs> series because <laughs> um, yeah. I loved the fandom and the community that kind of would come out of those, right? Whether it was Harry Potter, Twilight, or Hunger Games, or even Divergent was on the up, I think. Uh, it was doing really well, and it had a very huge fan base, but I think Divergent was also the nail in the coffin when it came well, to, I, to I, YA yeah, well, blockbusters. Well, I think like it was like Harry Potter like set the standard for like the big blockbuster franchises, especially like, with sequels, and then... You know, Deathly Hallows was split into two because there's just so much. Even though I know we would all gladly have wait, like sat six hours in a the movie theater seeing just like one film the entire way through, but then I feel feel like that set the standard, and every other like mega like blockbuster like YA book to movie adaptation decided, oh, you know, our last one should be two parts, just like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Twilight didn't. I mean, Twilight did well just based on the fact that the fandom was going to go see it anyway, even if it was a train wreck. And then, you know, I feel like then Hunger Games did that really well with Mockingjay. But then Allegiant was just... that just, like, It wasn't even the nail in the coffin. It just, like, shoved it off the cliff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about Allegiant. Uh, well, we've talked a lot about Allegiant on this show. Yeah, we talked a lot <laughs> People thought that, like, well, those were all those, like, YA book-to-movie adaptations did very well, so they felt like any other book-to-movie um, adaptation would do well. Like, was um, Beautiful Creatures, that completely, like, bombed and had really bad reviews. Or um, was it, uh, The Fifth Wave? Yeah. That yeah. just kind of happened. Like, there was no marketing, came out. I feel like studios felt like, oh, you know, it's YA, people will go see it, like, but it never happened. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we were talking about the nail in the coffin. And I do feel as if we generally have moved away from these YA film franchises. I'm, you know, I'm just, I haven't looked at numbers. I'm just talking off the top of my head. But I feel like we're seeing less and less YA films being adapted to uh, theaters. We, you know, we still, we see Netflix is doing their thing. Um, I know Lucasfilms is investing a lot into Children of Blood and Bone, but outside of that, I don't know of any YA series that is really ongoing and getting a lot of money right now. Uh, it seems to be moving towards TV. Uh, so we were actually going to have one of our, our book reviews editor join us for this podcast, Eleanor, but unfortunately she wasn't able to make it. She did send us some of her thoughts, and I just wanted to read one of the things that she included. She said that YA genres moved in waves over the last decade we really kind of saw just how these genres kind of took over for like years at a time and then just kind of drifted away so some of the examples she put down were like angels and demons um and she's very glad that that is over (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, angels and demons to sort of soulmates to dystopian of course i think was the huge one um Mm -hmm. and why fantasies and i also kind of wanted to mention too we got a listener who submitted what they felt was like a huge trend that they saw in YA as well, which shout out to our 
Twitter account, bookmarked YA. Uh, we ask our listeners to join in on some of these prompts sometimes. And so our uh, Bookstack listener, MJ Henson, said, The biggest trend I've noticed in YA over the last decade is that contemporary and fantasy will always be popular genres, while everything else seems to come and go in phases. Dystopian, vampires, sci-fi, etc. Um, yeah, I think seeing these mega franchises just kind of like, it's like when something becomes really big for a moment, you just kind of like, no, it's not going to stick around. <laughs> and I feel like this this decade, we definitely saw a lot of that. How do you guys feel about about genres and YA over the last decade? Yeah. I think a lot of the time when there is like a big, famous, popular genre novel for, say, The Hunger Games, the perception from like the mainstream will see that as the dystopian novel. So then anything else that comes out just kind of gets brushed aside and it's just, oh, it's a Hunger Games knockoff. It's just trying to trying to recapture the Hunger Games and that. Mm-hmm. But, well, then fantasy and contemporary, as you, MJ yeah. mentions, are just always on the rise, it seems. like There's always space for them. They always get picked up and recognised. Like, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because that one breakout book, like The Hunger Games, again, mm-hmm. is what sets the tone and what kind of opens the door for those other books to come through. And when every time you have one of these trends, right, there's the there's the one flagship book that kind of that, that represents that genre. Um, but yeah, like you said, there it's also a curse in the fact that after that, everything is compared to that particular mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just in line with, um, I think exactly with where the conversation's heading. Something that uh, my note that I wanted to make about what I saw uh, trends and changes in YA across the decade uh, was almost this transition. Um, at the start of the decade, dystopian was the big thing, um, and by the end of it, there's been a real rise in like activism or protest literature. Um, and Saul refers to like that that flagship book that really sets things off, and that was really the Hate You Give to me by Angie Thomas. I think we saw in YA um, dystopian writers were really trying to deal with some real world issues within you know like that dystopian genre, um, and by the end of the decade. YA writers were just putting things more realistic, dealing with issues of racism and sexism and homophobia just head on right in the books. And since The Hate You Give has come out, I think we've seen a flurry of of somewhat similar novels that are really unafraid to just deal with the issues today that young people are really passionate about. Um, so that's a big change that I've seen across the decade. Totally. That was actually going to be my takeaway, too. <laughs> was, oh, wow. Uh, that... <laughs> We've seen a lot of, I think you put it very way more eloquently than I could have, <laughs> um, that we've just seen a lot of political or mm-hmm. socially aware or activists. Is, is that the term you used? Activism? Yeah, activism. But yeah, uh, political, however you want to phrase it. Yeah, definitely. I think we, we've seen a lot of that in this in this decade. And I do wonder if that kind of came from dystopia like did dystopia set the ground for that because in dystopia we actually kind of are already seeing elements of that right um especially in something in hunger games but now it's kind of come out of speculative fiction and it's just become a lot more real for sure yeah i mean i feel like it kind of goes hand in hand with what eleanor said about you know why a genre is moving in waves like harry potter ended you know and also kind of i feel like it also has to do a lot with like the I feel like environment is like kind of like the wrong wrong word to use but like the surroundings or like the environment of like 
-hmm. when these books are being written and released and how that influences the reader, they do feel like, you know, you know, we had Harry Potter, the fantasy wave kind of ended and we went into like vampires and werewolves with Twilight. And then mm -hmm. that wave kind of went down and then like the dystopian waves came up with like the Hunger Games and um, mm -hmm. and the Divergent series. And then that kind of went downhill. And then we went into like the activism, um, like the more the more contemporary um, genres like The Hate You Give, which is like a lot more a lot more relatable to what's going on nowadays and then in, the, in these times and then and this kind of like political environment that we live in nowadays. Right. And to your yeah. point, I think it, yeah, it totally comes from, from the context of our days. And just in general, <laughs> the world seems to be very chaotic uh, these days, <laughs> socially and politically, especially the second half of the decade, mm -hmm. um, without naming any specific events. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, but and, uh, I think we saw, we see that, I, I mean, oh my gosh, I work in the news industry, right? And yeah. Just this last week, holy crap, it was an insane week as far as yeah. news, politics, yeah. and it's at, it's at the front of everyone's minds. And even if you go on Twitter, you see YA authors participating in political conversations. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it's just, it's of course natural that they're going to, that's going to seep into their writing. Yeah. And also if you like, you know, authors who grew up reading like dystopian novels, and mm -hmm. I mean, I think I wrote about it or it was, somebody wrote an article on the on the website about, you know, why do why is dystopian why are dystopian articles such a like a huge um, source of like like an interesting genre for young for YA readers. And it's because at that point in time, you're trying to discover, you know, what's what are my own thoughts? What am what do I think about what's going on around me in my environment, in my government, in my life, my country or whatever it is. And I feel like that had a, that might have affected a lot of what, you know, YA readers or authors are now writing about their own experiences and you know and they're pat they're not passing on their own views but maybe like their own experiences and that also influences what others might want to read and write certainly and i think that writing goes on to what what's been really interesting for me is is how it goes on to inspire real life activism um right anybody who is paying attention to the news has seen young people all over the world speaking up over a myriad of different issues whatever things that they're invested in and a lot of them will say hey i read about katniss and the hunger games or i read about dumbledore's army and these are the books that have inspired me to speak up and so we see the that literature is really having an effect um stretching out a lot broader than just just readers reading so Great discussion. I feel like we could discuss that one for ages. <laughs> it could politics and why it could be its own episode, honestly. It's one of the things that I noticed is that why literature just sort of started being taken seriously over the last ten years. Like thinking in the past, like even like going into a bookshop over here, I don't know if it's the same over there, but like there would be one children's section and that would be everything from like picture books right up to like the highest YA range and there would be one section but like these days you go in and there's a whole young adult section like adjacent to the children's and then even in terms of like the publishing houses give a lot more respect to YA like they put a lot more effort into them a lot more like promotion a lot more no it's not like a hugely monetary situation but they put a lot more money behind like YA and that gives a lot to like touching on the activism subject like it gives a lot of space for them to have those kind of conversations like the way that they hate you give was taken 
seriously and it wasn't just brushed off as like kids fodder. I think one of my university lecturers defined why he has. So just the fact that it's it's being taken seriously is something that I think's changed a lot in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. You definitely see more young adult books being published now than ever before. I think it's really, uh, yeah, proven itself. Like I think when you have we had Harry Potter, Twilight, Hunger Games was kind of like this flash in the pan and. But it was kind of also proving Twilight and Hunger Games kind of proved that you could recreate the success of Harry Potter, um, that you could sell books. And then a book like uh, uh, another huge seller in the last decade, The Fault in Our Stars by John Green, also showed um, right outside of fantasy, right, this contemporary or romance can equally top bestsellers lists. Um, and so I think there's definitely a, a push from publishers. Yeah, uh, th- that it is taken seriously. I like what you said, Michael. There's space for it right now. It's proven. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. I think that was a great one to to wrap that question up on mm-hmm. uh next question is what are you looking forward to and hoping will happen in the next 10 years mm-hmm. speaking of it continuing um we will get to that question in just a moment we're going to pause though for a commercial break looking for something to listen to after this podcast is over we always suggest reading a book and what better way to consume books than with audible in the subway or in the car when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing you can always catch up on your tbr list with an audiobook and for listeners of this podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash audible selections includes books like victoria aveyard's red queen series and tomi ediemi's children of blood and bone Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstack for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. Awesome. We are back. So the next half of our discussion, what are you looking forward to or hoping will happen in the next 10 years for YA? What are your predictions? I just really hope that Bloomsbury stops putting out new Harry Potter editions. And that's all I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to go on about it. I just, please, that Oh, wow. I, I can piggyback on what Michael just said. One of mine is is that I'm, I'm waiting for the next big book series. Um, I, I don't know if we'll see anything in the next decade hit the levels of Harry Potter um, and Hunger Games, but I'm, I'm waiting to see it. I'm open to it. I'm ready to hop on board and stand whatever comes out next and stand out in lines and cheer for things. Let's do it. Spencer, I think we're like on the same wavelength because that was mine. <laughs> uh, I'm stealing all your ideas. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I totally agree. For the reasons I, I mentioned earlier, I just miss like the community and the fandom that kind of s- sprang up from that. Uh, I don't know like what is going to be next. I I look at Children of Blood and Bone. There's a lot of money that seems to be going into that with Lucasfilm, like you mentioned earlier. Um, but I, I really don't know like what it is that's going to do it or if it's going to happen again because I kind of feel like the second half of the last decade it just wasn't happening, but I'm totally waiting and hoping for something to break through as well. I, I totally feel that. I feel like we might be going like into a bit of like a quiet period where we will, we will still get, you know, good YA books that come out, but we won't, I feel like we won't really get um, a big, like 
massive series until like maybe like halfway through this next decade. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, looking at trends, like you know, things go up and down all the time. But I also feel like in the next couple of years, you know, we are getting, you know, younger generations of readers who might be inspired or like are aspiring to be YA writers because they feel inspired by what authors are putting out now in the YA genre. So I feel personally that we will get a new like big series later in the decade. It's not yet. I think we're going to go to like a quiet period. Well, I think, uh, no, what I was going to say wasn't going to make sense. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Eleanor said she would love to see the return of vampires. Mm. Yeah, actually, I would love to see some of the old trends to come back. Uh, publishing is they if the trend isn't now so like vampires aren't in now but let's say somebody has written a really great vampire book but since vampires aren't as popular as they were when they were in twilight publishing houses really aren't into that right now because it it probably won't sell so i'd like to see some of the old trends return from like back early in the decade i think that's a good a good one. I think it kind of ties in with one of the things that Eleanor brought up as well. Um, and one, another one of her points was a lot of YA feels the same. So she's looking for something different. Um, she says, I'm not sure whether this is because I've grown up through it and therefore seen it from its beginning pretty much. or, or And so maybe there's only so much that can be done. Um, but she points to the Arc of Scythe series by Neil Schusterman as an example. She said it felt very refreshing and that she would like things to go down this route of new thinking and putting spins on genres that have settled into a comfort zone. So I think it would be cool to see like some of those old genres and tropes and trends and stuff. But definitely I want to see them with like a new spin. Like what is something new that they can add to those, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of like I think uh, in a way I think... Tomi Adeyemi is doing that with mm-hmm. with fantasy right now, with Children of Blood and Bone. We've brought it up a few times now. Uh, but in, in a way, it's very familiar because it's a high fantasy. But in another way, it's about a culture that hasn't been represented in the past. And so it feels yes. new. And, and yeah, yeah it's just, I would love to see more of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you wrote an article, Saul, about like how we don't see like for example, like like many like Hispanic or Latin um, based like fantasy stories, and it just reminded me of a series on Netflix, um, which is basically like it's fantasy, it's magic, it's like demon hunting, it's witchcraft, but it's all told from like the cultural point of view of Mexicans. Wait, like, you're only telling me about this now. <laughs> I will tell you about this afterwards, <laughs> just because you know I'll just tell you afterwards so I don't deviate, but. Um, I thought like that, like that was something that was really different. Cause I mean, on Netflix, there's like everything and there's all these like magic, like witchcraft series and vampire series, but this was so different because it felt sort of personal to me because of my, um, my ethnic background and it just felt refreshing. Cause it's not the same thing you see all the time. Like somebody like chanting incantations in Latin and like waving around a wand or whatever, it was different. And I feel like I, I get what Eleanor is saying. Like she wants something different and refreshing. It's like you're basing it on the same, on like fantasy, but there's a completely different spin to it. Mm -hmm. This was one of of my points as well. 
like I think it's it's worth saying like something that was um, really positive about the last decade was an increase in, in diversity um, in YA, but it also was something that like was a conversation that was just starting in many ways. The We Need Diverse Books was a group of, um, I think, like book industry people who got together in 2014 and really started a conversation. So moving into the next decade, um, as Michael talked about, there's a space, you know, for YA being taken serious right now. I hope that that allows for all different types of stories um, to get told and included from authors of color and LGBTQ authors, all different types of retellings, um, like we talked about. Just there's so much that we can see that I'm excited for so yeah that's kind of the same as one of my like serious points that I've put down is that I'd love to see diversity just be like a common thing and not mm-hmm. be like a big deal like mm-hmm. yeah it's, we're getting there but like I think there is still a lot of the time like a diverse book will come out and it will be it will be the diverse book of the day like I would mm-hmm. rather diverse books come out I hope that doesn't come across as me kind of brushing aside the issue but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I would rather it be... Normal than... Yeah, normalised. Like, diverse books just exist alongside mm-hmm. alongside books by white people, basically. Um, I'll just say, I, like, you had mentioned, like, you know, hopefully in the next decade we will see more... We'll see, like, the publishing companies and publishing houses will take a chance and give, you know, um, non-white writers the chance to tell their stories. Because, you know, they are out there. They're just not getting the opportunity. They're not getting, they're not being given a chance, basically. So I feel like, you know, with all like, you know, all these um, authors of color coming up, you know, now at the beginning and the end of the decade, we will hopefully see a lot more of them. And it will become normalized, like Michael said. My last point for looking forward in the next decade is something I've been thinking about a lot. I wrote uh, a recent article for Bookstacked about reading uh, YA as an adult. Um, I think it'll be uh, hopefully a topic discussion that we'll get in one of these podcast episodes coming up. And I one, wonder, I yeah, the next one. Okay. Well, maybe this can prime us for that. I wonder in the next 10 years where we'll be in terms of YA as like an age category or a marketing category. If you'll almost in 10 years from now, if it'll start to split up, if you'll start to see new adult really emerge as as more of a category, if you'll see um, books that are really aimed for, you know, 12 to 16, sometimes we call it young YA, um, yeah. if that'll be marketed differently. Um, I wonder if, you know, 10 years from now, when I say YA literature, what will I really be referring to um, in terms of age? Still up in the air, I think. Definitely. I think YA has had to, we've just seen so much evolution and it's not just in the writing, but it's also in how it's being presented and how it's being marketed and everything. And it'll be interesting to see how it continues to adapt and change over the next 10 years. I think that's a great point. Well, I think we had a great discussion (laughs) about (laughs) the last decade and kind of what we're expecting out of the next one. Just want to give a shout out to our listeners who are listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys. The numbers seem to go up every episode we put out, which is astonishing. <laughs> um, and we really appreciate it. Really appreciate the time you spend listening to the show. I'm definitely up for getting your feedback on this new format. Uh, we do have the next year planned out, but we also told ourselves that we would be agile or sort of um, flexible with how we rolled these out and stuff. And so uh, we'd love to get your feedback. You can go to bookmarkedshow.com. There is a way to contact us there on that website. 
You can also find us on Twitter. We're at bookmarkedya. We're going to try to be better about reaching out ahead of time and kind of asking you guys questions and kind of getting your thoughts. And uh, so please don't hesitate to send in your thoughts on uh, some of our topics and discussions, or even if you have something that you wanted to add to this discussion, like send that in for sure. Uh, We'd love to hear what you have to say. You can look at the show notes as well. There's a link to a voice message system. So like you're, you could leave us a voice message as well that we could use on the show. You can also follow our website, Bookstacked. Just look at Bookstacked on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Um, and then us personally, I know I'm on Instagram, and you can find me at Saulmark, S-A-U-L-M-A-R-Q. What about you, Spencer? Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Spencer B. Miller. Um, yeah, talk a lot of YA there, so come tweet at me. Don't at me if you don't like my opinions on the podcast. I'm just joking. <laughs> Hopefully not. What about you, Michael? Where can people find you? Yeah, you can get me on Twitter at underscore Michael Burns. I still really hate the underscore in my Twitter username, but I'm having to live with it now, and I just really want new followers. So just tweet me absolutely anything you want. Uh, and Mary, you have a booktube channel you wanted to plug. Yes, you can find me on BookTube um, at Big On Books, and you can also follow my Twitter at M-K-T-E-M-K-A-T-E-D-E. Do you want to repeat that? Because for me, that sounded, <laughs> the spelling sounded a little hard to follow. Well, let me add, like, a link. Sorry. Oh, that's, yeah. the smart, that's the smart thing. You know what? I'm just going to have all of these in the show notes. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, guys. Next time, like we mentioned before, adults reading YA. That's a thing? Apparently it is. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're all adults here. (laughs) Uh, Looking forward to that. So we will catch you guys next time in March. Until then, uh, see ya. Bye. 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 Bye.